Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, the day has finally arrived. It is the official Snow the Goalie. 2021-22 season predictions episode of the only flyers podcast the people's podcast the players podcast prognosticators podcast presidential podcast PLA podcast papers podcast the only flyers podcast make sure you follow us over on twitter and instagram at snow the goalie facebook.com slash snow the goalie we'll have all the written content going up very very shortly on crossingbroad.com with all of your coverage of the orange and black this year of course i am joined today as always by let's let's start let's start old school on this one my my co-host, my long-term BFF, I don't mean that, Ant San Philly, find him on Twitter, Ant San Philly, Anthony Sanfilippo, who is more than overjoyed to get the hockey season started. Ant, how you doing? Oh, Russ, it's just tingling throughout my entire body that the hockey season is upon us. Is that just like the post-COVID effect or? No? It might be. I don't know. I'm a long hauler. It might be something to do with that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and they- <laughs> And then we'll go to a man who, you know, like, listen, he, he's known for being a former flyer. He's known for being the voice of the people really on telecasts and on the radio. And now as an official member of the Snow the Goalie team, a man who now finally has a microphone. Chris yeah. Terrian, Bundy, how you doing today? I have a mic. Look at this thing. This is what we call high tech today, kids. That's right. Look at and you. I did not have to spend what Anthony said, so I hopefully this works out better for everybody. You know what's great though? I love that. Yeah, the pe- we are the people's voice. I do believe that now, and I love bringing that at that attitude into the podcast. You know what's amazing? You can have thirty thousand people love the way you do your job, and all you need is two or three of them to hate you, and next thing you know, you're working for Snow the Goalie, <laughs> where I belong anyway. So. I'm thrilled to be here. Let's get the show going, boys. <laughs> when you're right, when it's only two or three. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. It's let's let's jump into it because uh, you know the season is well. The season actually began. We were recording this on uh, on Wednesday morning, so the season actually began uh, last night uh, with uh, you know Tampa putting the um, uh, the banner up uh, down in Tampa before getting absolutely spanked by the Penguins. Uh, who saw that coming? I, I certainly didn't. And then uh, the actual debut of the Seattle Kraken uh, last night out in Vegas. So that was uh, that was kind of a cool thing to get the season started. But the Flyers season begins Friday night at home at the Wells Fargo Center against the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, we've actually, you know, we've we've kind of bandied about this. We've talked about it. We kind of expressed our opinions about like where we kind of sort of see this team fitting into the division. Um, but I think today we'll, we'll, we'll lock it down. We'll put it in, we'll put it in writing. We'll, we'll say, here's what we think. And then we'll go back and look at it come um, the end of April and say, man, we were, you know, somebody's a genius. Somebody's an idiot. Somebody's a fool. And we'll see what, which one of us falls under which category. So, so you, so we inherently are going to assume the two of us are, are morons. That's kind of negative. Ant. I mean, that's negative. Well, you're always the fool. <laughs> I mean, you're always, I mean, that's fine. I guess that's, that's mostly true. Hockey right, so, predictions are tough though, right guys? Like, I mean, they, oh, yeah, they really they are. are because like, I remember one year, I mean, it was, it's almost hard to just pick single games sometimes if, with even as much knowledge as, as people that pay attention to the game have. That's why it's so difficult and challenging 
to pick a season, you know, a prediction of a season because of, you know, the injury factor, uh, you know, mental state of a team. It's really, really a challenge. So I think when we do this, the best part people should know is when you go in, you're, we're looking at it as if all things are, are level playing field. Uh, we take look at the personnel, the talent level, and we try to make the best. That's the way I do it. And, yeah, and most absolutely. of the time you find out you're wrong a little bit at the end of the day because, you know, you couldn't account for a certain injury coming about or, or something went wrong or a coach firing or something. So that's why it is a challenge, but we're going to do our best. Yeah. Or the I mean, flip I side mean, of I, something going, going well too. There could be a mid season trade that, you know, nets a, a, a real act was you know, right. a meaningful acquisition that, that takes a team over the top or somebody that we might've thought would be a bubble team that ends up solidifying their place. Um, or it could even take a, a middle of the road team and really make them a Stanley cup contender. So you're, you're totally right. And, yeah, I know. I was going to say, I mean, I, I just want to point it out. I mean, you look at that game last night. I mean, I don't know if you got, if either of you got to watch any of Pittsburgh, Tampa, you know, Penguins are without their best players. I mean, literally they have Jeff Carter playing top line center. Okay. At 36 years old and Tampa's got everybody healthy as can be. And the Penguins just went out and kicked their ass. I mean, they did. Penguins wanted to win that game more than Tampa did last night and beat them at every level of the, of the game. And no one would expect that. And if you looked at the odds, Tampa was minus 300 going into the game. I mean, there was like, it was legit upset last night, but that's what hockey is, man. Sometimes it's, it's the, you know, the, it, it, the team that wants it more just is going to get it. And it makes you wonder when you look at that Tampa team, not, not that we're going to really break down the Atlantic, but man, they lost their entire third line from last year. Right. I mean, Barkley Goudreau and, and Yanni Gord and, um, uh, who's the third guy on that, uh, that on that line that that went elsewhere? Uh, why am I forgetting his name? Ah, it'll come to me. Anyway, you wrote about it. Yeah, wrote about it. Their entire third line with your, uh, their entire your third line. Look at you. Yeah, yeah, their entire third line gone. Um, and, and you know what? Sometimes when you lose that much, no matter what you add, it, it could it could it could just be a little bit. The team's not playing the same way. They didn't play the same way for one game last night. You know, so I mean, so that's exactly what Bundy is talking about. Like, it, it's so hard to pick one game, let alone pick the outcome of eighty-two games for thirty-two teams. You know, it's funny well, too, guys. When you in, when you look at a team like Tampa, too. Like, let's not forget this is something else that's kind of jumped out. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I really feel because of COVID, because of the scheduling and the early season part of it, doesn't it feel like this Tampa just won the cup like three weeks ago? Yes. Like yeah. it was in July, like guys, it almost feels like there was no off season. Here's what I'm saying. Yes, I agree. Anthony totally agree with you last night. Like, I mean, we saw the flyers saying last year, the penalty killing was bad because maybe they lost a Nate Thompson. It almost seems in, you know, or Derek Grant from the year before when it was good. But my point is this with the NHL, I really think the league in general missed a humongous window of opportunity. I think that they should have backed the schedule up to American Thanksgiving and started a new trend from there. Why would you bother competing against the NFL and college football for the, the pivotal first six or eight weeks of the schedule when you could eliminate that? This was a gaffe, again, by Gary Bettman, who has been, for me and the players and the executives, it's been a disaster for the league in terms of these, these decisions. Yeah, he's made owners money, but these are, these are things that they should have redone. I, I, I hate the fact that, that Tampa, I mean, it was July. They were still playing. The season just ended. Mm -hmm. So they're going back. Why wouldn't they back it up and say, you know what? Finishing in early part of July is really not that detrimental. I know the Olympic break, maybe Olympics had something to do with it this year, but I, I really feel this was a great opportunity for the league 
to kind of to back things up a little bit. Yeah, and we had talked about that before, Bonnie, and I thought about it, and I, and I mentioned, you know, the Olympics, and I think that that's probably the only reason why you couldn't back yeah. it up. But I, I thought about it, and I said, what if you did? What if you still had the Olympics, and you still backed it up and started late November instead of mid-October? You're only talking five weeks additional. Yeah. So the season would have ended in May, end of May, mm-hmm. and your playoffs would have gone into July just like they did last year. So is there a problem with playing the Stanley Cup final in July and starting the season in November? I mean, I I think that if that became the new normal, that would be totally fine. And and I love it because, you know, Russell, I'll let you jump in. But I'm just saying, guys, like, I'll be honest with you. I know people's school was over. I really think that at the end of June, it really captured a lot for the younger audience of kids to come out and see it. And you know what else was great, too? Uh, even though it was July and people were on the beach, there was still a lot of buzz about hockey in July in the Stanley Cup final. So to me, who cares if you're saying, oh, it's a winter sport and the summers are off because guys go golfing or yada, yada, whatever it is. To me, use that, leverage that, because it, to me, it gives you better audience viewing and it's going to raise the, the level of, of the viewership of the sport. Guys, I'm not going to lie. The sport, this sport is, is not being watched like it was 15 years ago. They can yeah. say what they want. But I go to buildings and I've seen thousands of people out. I'm just trying to be creative in what there is. And I really think that maybe maybe it's the Olympics, Anthony and Russ, but I really think that there's a huge window of opportunity to league miss here. Well, we're going to talk about the growth of the game in a little bit. Um, but I, I think it's a missed opportunity for the NHL. And, and once again, you know, as a basketball fan, like I think there's a missed opportunity here for the NBA as well. Yeah. Because it, it makes so much sense for the NBA to start their season on Christmas Day because that gets so many people to like in, in the way that the winter classic before it got watered down with a million outdoor games, the way that that kind of felt like the big moment, Christmas day on the NBA, like Christmas and and the NBA to me are synonymous. And so the, the thought had been that the NBA would look to push their season back this year, like they did last year. And then that created this great opportunity for the NHL to get a, a bigger lead. And what you're what you're saying about the idea of starting it around Thanksgiving is actually a very solid idea. I mean, even if you made it, say, mid-November, you're still going to have a month ish over what the NBA theoretically could do if they started around Christmas. And it's still yes, it pushes the season into the summer when let's be honest, the American sports calendar, it, it really is. It's baseball. And for like the niche fans, it's like maybe soccer. And that's it. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to compete with. And so the idea here of it's NFL week six right now, right? You're, you're at a spot right now where like, you don't have to be competing against football and you're right. It's not just the pros, right? It's also competing against college football. There's no reason that you should be going into the start of your season right now at this point of the football season, just push it back. It doesn't make sense. And, And you're right. You even include the Olympics in there. And it still doesn't make that big of a difference. Now, I, I mean, I guess that there's the case to be made. And and some teams have made the case before that because of the, the way that the ice is set up, that if the external temperature is too high, that it can play, it can create issues with the ice in the arena. But it's 2021. Technology has improved. If your arena can't handle it, you need to do a better job and get things up to, you know, up to the modern shape. It's not like you're trying to play an outdoor game in Southern California in late May. That's not happening. So it's a missed opportunity. That said, 
at some point you have to wonder if if it's going to be something that some of the TV partners are going to look to push. And because ESPN now has the rights to the A package for uh, the NHL, and they also hold rights for the NBA, it stands to reason that they're going to want to create a bigger gap between those two leagues to try to maximize from their perspective the start of each respective season and to kind of limit some of that inherent competition that exists between two leagues that they hold the rights to. Yeah, And, and you know what else, guys? I mean, not, I, yeah, I know there's two games on last night. Uh, you know what else was on last night? An awesome baseball game between Milwaukee and Atlanta that happened to run at the same time that the hockey games go on. Mm-hmm. An early season hockey game. You, you eliminate the World Series. You eliminate yeah. four baseball games a day. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, I turned the baseball game on last night. It's playoff baseball. Yeah, but if you're I was, not, I was if flipping you don't have back hockey now. I'm not worrying about flipping over to whatever channel the game's on to try to watch an early season hockey game. That really, guys, you know this is not as important as a, a major league baseball playoff game. Yeah, you're right. And I was flipping back and forth. You also had Dodgers Giants last night, which, which went up thing. against Seattle Vegas. Yeah, yep. that went up against Seattle Vegas. Yeah, I mean, so I was watching, certainly watching more of the Dodgers and the Giants. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, and, and I know this this could kind of turn into a uh, we're talking about missed opportunities. This could kind of turn into a, a criticism of of the Flyers, and, and maybe it should be. Um, but you know, the Flyers' opening day is two days away. We've heard nothing about it in this town. No, not a thing. Not, not a word. Not a word. And, and the re- and all that we got was the new code of conduct for the fans that came out. Right. I mean, oh, I'm ex- oh boy, you know, don't be an ass while you're in the stands. Okay, thanks, thanks a lot, Flyers, um, and Wells Fargo Center. Um, but the thing of it is, is that, you know, your the opening night is the day after an Eagles game. Like, seriously, it's the day after an Eagles game. You're going to get no juice for it whatsoever. Against okay. Tom Brady. Yeah, no, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> A national, nationally televised Thursday night Eagles game. And the next night, oh, by the way, Flyers opening night. And no, no promotion, no put the players out there. You got all these new guys. And, you know, we could criticize the Flyers all we want for that, and, and, and deservedly so. But it, it, this ties into what you're saying, Bundy. I mean, why compete? I mean, in a market like Philly, where hockey does do well television-wise, the television audience for hockey is better than basketball. May not be in, in actual physical attendance at the arena, but right. television-wise, fly, the Flyers do better than the Sixers do on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Um, why not have it not, you know, go later on so it's not competing against the Eagles? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I think we're all, I think we're all in agreement, guys. I just think it's a, I don't know, maybe it's the Olympic thing, guys, but I, I don't know. I just feel like this was really a golden chance for the NHL to spotlight themselves. Uh, you know, the only competition they would have had for playoffs at the beginning of the year is the flip side of what we're talking about now. You would have had the opening month of baseball that nobody cares about. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about it at all. No one knows anyone's record. It's a flip. The op- I don't know. I don't know who makes these decisions, but terrible. You are right about the Flyers. Though. Like, I don't even know. If I didn't know that coming on here and following hockey like I do, I'd have no idea there was a local home game in the city of Philadelphia on this coming Friday night. And that also leads to another issue. And, you know, we can call this the Russ Joy Hates 97.5, the fanatic effect. But, like, they're the flagship station that hold the rights to the team and to the team's games. Do we think that 97.5 The Fanatic is actually going to talk about the team leading up to it? No. And part of that is because there's laziness on the part of a lot of the hosts to actually like get to know the game or the players. Um, and that is certainly an issue. But there's also the issue at hand that they, again, 
are being handed what I guess is going to do best for ratings, which right now is the Thursday night football game. You expect them to talk about the Eagles. You've got the Ben Simmons drama that's surrounding the Sixers right now. And again, the Sixers aren't that far away from starting their season. So you've got that, you know, at, at hand as well. So your radio wing isn't really talking about the team two days before the start of the season. I don't watch NBC Sports Philadelphia other than to watch a game and then get out because the coverage of practically every sport they do is either watered down or, or just dreck at this point. So I don't even know if the TV side of things is really even getting involved. I haven't seen a ton in terms of having players made available to the regular over the air stations. Like I, I haven't seen anything that's been notable on like a CBS three or a six ABC or Fox 29 or an NBC 10 that like in any way, shape or form is kind of indicative of the flyers themselves trying to push the idea of like, these are the players. These are the personalities that you want to watch. This is the team that you should really be focusing your attention on. We start this Friday. We have a few weeks before, or at least a week before the NBA season starts. Like there's none of that. Yeah. And so, you know, I know that there are people who get upset because it feels like we're too negative about the team or the organization, but like it doesn't even like saying it's a missed opportunity, I think is, is being a little bit too nice. And it just seems like it keeps happening. It doesn't matter who's in charge of marketing. It doesn't matter who's in charge of the media side of things. It, it doesn't change. And at some point you have to really start to raise bigger questions about does the ownership group of this team genuinely care about growing the fan base or growing the public perception of what this team actually is or could be? Because well, right yeah. now it, it, it feels like it's just going through the motions. Well, the problem is, is what the, 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 the culture's changed entirely, right? Like there was a time where the Flyers weren't being talked about at NBC Sports, they would get a call from the owner. Uh, it happened all the time. Anthony, you've been around long enough to know that Ed Snyder would call over. I'm going to tell you this now because I work there and I'm not saying because I got let, let go over there. NBC Sports can't stand the Flyers. They're not going to tell you that. They, I know they, the guy that runs it has told me to my face the NHL is a, is a third-tier hack league. That's the guy that actually puts a product out for the Flyers that has said that to my face. Um, so that gives you an idea right there, first of all, of what you're dealing with when you make the transition between the two. The Flyers and NBC Philadelphia want to try to be lockstep, but they're not. It's just a matter of saying what they want to do to placate each other through the course of the year. Uh, it's all about money. It's all about the bottom line. And that's the problem that you've have in most sports now altogether, guys. They just don't care. I mean, it's a matter of, like you said, Anthony, people watch the games on NBC Sports Philadelphia. That takes care of their bottom line. But in terms of the passion that goes with it, uh, Russ, those thoughts, uh, the, the trickle down from the organization. I mean, there was once a time that this organization was so deeply cared about by the people that worked here that those calls that were made to make sure our product was being heard or that we people know there's a game Friday night, people understand who our new team is, who our new players are, what we want to do for this year to message to our fans to let them know that, hey, we understand this market. We understand what people in Philadelphia like. We understand what makes the, the, uh, the people in this sports market tick when you go to a game or what drives their passion at the end of the game or before it. Uh, there's none of that anymore. It's just, hey, show up at the game. Hopefully you have a good time. Uh, and if, by the way, if you're watching games at NBC Sports, hopefully they do the best viewing job they can for your experience. There's no, no passion involved at all anymore. None. It's gone. 
Yeah, spot on. That's that's spot on. It and it's a shame. And it's it's a real shame. I you know we know we have the hardcore fans in this town, and they're going to still find the game wherever it's at, and they're going to talk about the game at every turn, and that and that's great. And they, you know they're going to keep that fire burning, and I don't think it's going to you know flame out completely. But I mean, it certainly it certainly gets to a point where it flickers now, where it never did before. That flame was right. always a a burning, a hot burning flame, and now it's. You know, and now it flickers from time to time. And that's that's what's disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. So let me before we get into predictions, because obviously that's what people are here for. Um, although I think the media discussion is something that usually we see does very well on these shows anyway. So um, before we get there, the national growth, I guess, um, or lack thereof of the sport. You know, you mentioned a little bit ago, buddy, that this this sport isn't being watched at the same levels it was 15 years ago. Well, 17 years is how long it had been since ESPN had had a game on the Mothership Network. They break that that streak last night with this doubleheader that had, uh, we don't have the official numbers yet. We don't have the overnight numbers, the viewing numbers yet. I'm sure that they'll come out a little bit later this week um, or maybe even by tonight. Do we feel like NBC did a good enough job of growing the game and growing the game's national profile? Or are we in a situation where there was potentially irreparable damage done by NBC? And now a lot of the onus falls on the ESPNs and the TNTs of the world to try to rectify what had been an issue. Good question. I was going to let you go. I I have some thoughts on this that are completely different than what Russ just asked. So I'm I'm trying to think through NBC and, well, in my coverage? opinion, well, first of all, I don't think NBC did a great job growing the game, but right. I don't put the I don't put the onus on NBC. Like to me, e- this is ESPN's mess to clean up itself because ESPN killed hockey when they yes. when they got rid of it. They they killed it in a sense because at the time there was st- Sports Center was still a thing. People mm-hmm. still tuned into ESPN to watch the highlights and to and to watch all the you know the goofy sayings that the that the anchors used to have. And hockey became a barely even talked about sport on ESPN. It was out of the national spotlight for so, so long. And, you know, NBC did what it did and it was fine. I mean, look, it was great to have a major network carrying the sport, but it's not like NBC had some kind of counter programming outside of the games that really kind of would help grow the sport beyond that. So you were really kind of relying on just your local television your local your regional networks for uh, to to promote the sport and obviously in certain markets like here it still does very well but i don't think it did it did well in all markets um and, and of course it didn't grow the game to markets that are that don't have a hockey team um yeah. so i think that really it, it this is all falls at the feet of espn and so now that they have the national contract again or at least the majority of it since tnt has some it's it's on them to figure out a way to make hockey interesting to a uh, demographic that grew up for 15, 17 years without any real knowledge of the sport. So that to me, that's, that's where the problem falls. It, it, it's really at ESPN's feet. Yeah. And, and you're right. And, and, and going back, even though when I played, like I got news for it, ESPN shit all over hockey. Mm-hmm. It was a, like a, th- a fourth rate league. They dumped on it. They hardly talked about it. So Right now, right, guys? So they have every single – I actually can say now ESPN now has every single major sports league 
on their watch to some degree, right? They yeah, got yes. this, yeah, Major League Baseball, yeah. Sunday, they're on all week. Yeah, yep. everything. Yeah, they have everything. Hockey will, again, whenever they coincide, will be the fourth sport mentioned. Eventually, even though they're covering it, it will not be become a prevalent type of thing for them. It'll it just they're going to do it the way that they rank it down. It's always going to be NFL, probably baseball, basketball, and then hockey, if they even get to it. I know they're showing up last night, guys, but ESPN was one of the reasons. Seriously, like remember, remember when they left? We're like, God, what an awful experience that was. Players said it, managers, the league was yeah. saying how god awful ESPN was, and they were. They dumped all over hockey for years. And so now it's a monetary thing. They're bringing it back. I don't know how things are going to change. Uh, I don't know necessarily what NBC did on a national level to make it better. I mean, you know what I really loved with the rivalry night? Come on out and watch rivalry night as Carolina takes on Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who actually makes this up? Like yeah, they had yeah. some guy in there doing scheduling that had no clue what he was doing. <laughs> Like, because you played in a, pl- a playoff series against a team for one time doesn't make it rivalry night Wednesday. Right, yeah. A lot of mistakes were made, well, guys, and there will be more mistakes made again. So I, I think that there are a couple of things that are probably worth noting in this. Anthony, the way that you just talked about NBC Sports Network really sounded like, because you're, you're mentioning that there was really no coverage, there was no good lead-in. So it was almost the equivalent of, like, what's happening at the regional sports network level, right? Like, there was nothing that was drawing people in and keeping them there for the game. So really NBC sports network was by virtue of that effectively a regional sports network that just happened to have national reach, right? The, the reason that I think you can maybe buy into the idea that ESPN is going to do a better job this time is because they are making, and, and this is where the demographic thing comes in because the, I think it was Anthony who said, you know, how are you going to reach a, a demo that for, the last 17 years hasn't really learned much about or known much about the sport. You're seeing the number of subscribers to ESPN plus and to streaming platforms increasing, and it's increasing exponentially. And they are making the NHL a focal point of what they're doing on the ESPN plus. We're talking about every out of market game being made available to people across the country with the exception of local blackout issues, which I mean, for, for the price of ESPN plus you're getting what NHL center ice was. So if you're a hockey fan, or even if you're not, if you're just an ESPN plus subscriber and you're looking for live sports and there's nothing else on, you're going to have a plethora of games to choose from on any given night. So to that demo, at least to the cord cutters or to the people who are comfortable with streaming, like that's a big integration. And I'm pretty sure I'm not positive, And I don't know if you have standard cable, but I'm pretty sure that ESPN plus is something that is now available on Xfinity. I believe like as one of the apps um, because Disney plus mm-hmm. is and Hulu is. So it's not even like it's just being limited to people who have like Roku or a fire stick or, a, or Chromecast or something. So, I mean, I, I kind of feel like that is a big way that they're going to try to push it. They might not push it as much on regular ESPN or ESPN two, but like one thing that ended up getting bumped because of the John Gruden scandal was Sidney Crosby was supposed to have that interview at halftime. That was an effort to promote hockey at halftime of a Monday night football game. When the hell did we ever see NBC sports promoting the NHL during Sunday night football, which is arguably a bigger audience and a bigger game. That Mm -hmm. to me is like the one thing that shows maybe ESPN is actually going to be more committed to this than they were 17 years ago. Yeah. And I think that, and this is what I, this is where I, you know, you're going to be optimistic about it, but I'm going to give you the pessimistic side of it. 
yes, that would have been cool to have the interview with Crosby, right? I mean, big name for the, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, the face of the league for the last 15 years. Um, and that's fine. And that's all well and good. But is this going to be a regular thing that they're going to do? Or was it just a one-off? They were going to do it because they were promoting the start of the season. And, oh, look, hockey's back on ESPN, right? Like, to me, you need to find a way to really um, to really accentuate the personalities of the sport, right? And, and really really bring out the characters of, of, of hockey. And Bundy will tell you, there are a lot of characters in hockey. That is right. You just got to bring these guys to the forefront in, in different ways on that. Plan. It could be on ESPN Plus. It doesn't have to be, like you said, on one or two because of the streamers. Um, that's fine, but you need that additional programming. It can't just be that quick two-minute interview with, with a star player and say, oh, yeah, now come watch hockey. I don't think that that, that works. I mean, it's, it's nice and all, but you need more than that. There needs to be did other you, programming, and I'm not convinced that they, they're going to have that. Did you happen to look at ESPN.com today? Because it speaks uh, exactly to what you're talking about. The, the lead story, now. The, the lead story, the lead banner. I'll, I'll wait for you. Go ahead. I got it. Go the ahead. lead, the lead story on ESPN.com is about Austin Matthews. It's Austin Matthews with like light pink and light blue all around him, yeah. like boxes and everything. And it's talking about the character that he's ready to kind of come out as this star in the league. And so look, it, it's only the website, right? But it's a start. If nothing else, it's a start. And so I, yes, the, the Crosby thing is obviously going to be a one-off, right? They're not going to do that at every halftime, but I think there is importance in the rub. You're getting the, the rub from the NFL. And even if it's just promoting intermittently throughout the telecast or at halftime that there are big games coming up that week, it's at least going to put it in somebody's mind. Oh, that's, that's right. Hockey's back on ESPN. It's not a guarantee. It doesn't mean that people are going to all of a sudden become diehard hockey fans, but it's at least better exposure than they were getting on NBC. Again, that's why I bring up the Sunday night football thing. Like I don't remember there ever being any kind of real initiative to try to cross promote the NFL and NHL when NBC had, you know, had the rights to both. So other than, other than maybe promoting the winter classic. Yeah. I think they winter classic and, and maybe they maybe promote, like an outdoor just game. Say, just yeah. going to say that's all they promoted. Anthony was the winter classic and an outdoor game. Yeah. And it was like, uh, Oh, the NHL has their annual winter classic this week. Uh, make sure you tune in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And what was the, and like, I guess, again, you think about the the crazy, like think about the craziness of it though. NBC had the exclusive rights to the nationally televised games for the past 15, 17 years or whatever. ESPN only has half of the package and they've already arguably done more to promote it than NBC did. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's get into predictions. Can we get, let's get to the, to the meat, the meat and the potatoes. The Flyers are going to start the season. Obviously, we talked about this last week without Kevin Hayes. Really, the only notable absence as of right now is Hayes. Um, let's talk about the, I guess, where we see this team in terms of how you expect them to start the season. If we expect that Hayes is out, you know, say four weeks, six weeks to start the year. They didn't put him on LTIR, so they're trying to keep him available in theory. Um, and they're not going to manipulate the cap and, and shut him down for the season uh, only to bring him back in the postseason like Tampa would have done. So how do we think this team is going to weather that initial storm? And do you think they have the depth at center to actually stay above 500 until he's back? 
Bundy, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I think though they can be fine. I mean, I, I look at the team. I, you know, it's just a, like I'm looking at like Kevin Hayes saying like, all right, he's a good player, but are we really in a situation where we're holding our breath waiting for Kevin Hayes? You know what I mean? Like, I'm. I, it's not like it's Mario Lemieux that's been injured and we're getting a guy of that kind of playback. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that they can be fine. I really do believe that they can actually have a good start to the year. To me, guys, it's all – I don't want to get too far into a lot of the injuries. And obviously, Kevin has had a just an awful set of circumstances on top of, of the injury to him as well, which um, is sad in its own right. But, yeah, they're going to have to figure it out. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in that big center ice, but at least taking up space. Um, but to me, a lot of it right now, I'm – I. Until I see those defensemen in action and see if we've got ourselves the goalie back to some form of, of normalcy that where he was two years ago, I'm, I am going to hold my breath here a little bit uh, on the injury front only because I think there's so many other things that are big right now, Russ, that being one of them. I just think there's a lot of so many other unanswered questions for me that the Kevin Hayes thing is probably falls down that ladder a little bit. And um. I think that they'll. I think that they'll survive Kevin Hayes as well. I, I think that there are, like Bundy said, I think that there are bigger questions elsewhere. Um, yeah, obviously, are, are we thrilled that Derek Broussard is your number two center to start the season for for six or seven? Games? No, but is but he's a veteran guy who's been around. Yeah. You know, he could fill in that role for a short period of time and not kill you. Okay, so it's not like it's it's going to be this massive hole that the Flyers can't fill or overcome um i too worry about you know what the goalie situation is and i and i mean i'll be honest with you the last the last preseason game they trot out their entire lineup almost uh, it was uh 17 of the 18 skaters who are going to be on in the opening night lineup the only change being this patrick brown guy that they picked up on on waivers from from the vegas knights uh, probably gets into the lineup um, for opening night. Um, but with that lone exception, everybody else was in the lineup and they started Martin Jones, not Carter Hart. I Makes thought you, that was interesting right away. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's more AV playing a mind game with Carter, or if they're worried that he's going to be, if he has a bad game and he goes into the regular season, not feeling good about himself. They want him to kind of feel good about himself. I don't know what the MO is behind that. To me, that was a little bit concerning. And so, like, I look at that and say, I'm, I'm, I, I need it to be the goalie first, defense second, and then worry about Kevin Hayes' situation third. Yeah. And, and that for me is what's going to be the most telling part of the, of the first handful to 10 games of the season. The reason that I brought up Hayes as being, I guess, a, a big issue is because it kind of goes without saying, like it meant in my mind, it goes without saying that Carter Hart bouncing back to the 2019 form at home, specifically at home is critical to this team's chance of, of contending in any way or being a playoff team in any way, shape or form. The defense, oddly enough, I feel pretty confident in not having seen them do, you know, much outside of the preseason, obviously. I would say that this defensive core right now is better than the defensive core they had last year. And oh, if that sure. group, and so if that group is solidified in front of heart, to me, that's a calming effect. Right. And so 
if we can bank on the defenseman being better as a unit and it potentially could kind of calm the the waters around Carter Hart then to me like my issue is can this team score and it's not that Kevin Hayes is some point production monster but when you have Derek Broussard as your 2C to start the season I do worry that in the first 10 games or so this team is going to struggle to score goals uh so let's let's kind of I don't know if I want to do like a buy or sell here, but do you guys buy into the notion that the defense is a little better, a lot better, or about the same as last year? Ant, start with you. It's better than last year. It's a little a, better or a lot better? It, no, it's a lot better than last year. It's a lot better than last year just on the fact that it's it's got experience back there, and, and you're not going to have the kick the same kind of – ridiculous repeated mistakes that like Phil Myers was, was having back there. And then you don't have the malcontent like Gostas bear was back there. Like, I, I think that, I think that those changes in and of themselves will make that, make it exponentially better. Now, that being said, I was not overly impressed with Ristolainen's preseason when he played. Um, uh, I, I thought that uh, that second pair was kind of meh. Um, I, I didn't really see much that I loved, um, with the third pair, but then again, they made the third pair play a lot of games with AHL players. Like they, so they, so, you know, you really can't put a lot on Braun and, and Yandel because they were playing with a lot of AHL only guys in front of them. So, you know, it's, it's hard to really judge what they were doing. Um, so it's, so it's hard to get any kind of real takeaway away from the preseason, um, you're just kind of basing it on the fact that, you know, they knew what they or they're coming into the season with a plan in place that they had in place from day one. They put these these pairs together from day one. They haven't deviated from them in practice. They haven't deviated from them in any of the games. And when you look at the flyer schedule to start the season, they have the luxury of starting the season with four straight home games and not having to go on the road. So you've got a lot of practice time in between. So you still have a little bit of time to really continue to develop this group and get them going in the right direction before you really have to start worrying about getting into the crux uh, of your season. So that's why I think uh, that they'll be exponentially better than they were a year ago. Bundy, you feel uh, I agree. I agree with Anthony. Uh, to me, it's a chemistry thing. You know, you can have better players, uh, but if they don't gel necessarily quick, uh, you can find two guys that got to find their, you know, um, I would say that second pair probably is, is the one that I would keep the closest eye on early. I think Ellis is probably one of those guys. You just kind of plug him in a plug and play type of player. You know, how much better does he make Proveroff? Uh, can he make Proveroff as effective as, uh, as Niskanen did two years ago? Because Provorov was a totally different player without a, a veteran leader with him. And he may be that guy his whole career. I'm not sure yet, but I think that, that, that'll be fine. The second pair, uh, Ristolainen, um, is just knowing the league, he is a nightmare to play with. He would be an absolute disaster to have as a, a partner. Um, I'm not being mean. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. He's just a nightmare to play with because you don't know what he's going to do. You could be in front of the net and he can run to the far corner and then run up to the top of the circle. And you're literally back spinning your wheel saying, okay, I got to, now I'm at a 50, 50, cause I got to either cover that guy at the far post or there's somebody right here in front of me ready for a redirection. So, um, I don't know if Sandheim's that guy that can cover up for him. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of really weird things here, guys. And it's a personality issue. The third pair, uh, 
yeah, you got a couple veterans back there, but how much is left in the tank? You know, I don't know. These are all questions. I mean, does Yandel have another great veteran year, you know, where he's skating and doing power play things and his Braun find a, you know, a, a good defensive gear to compliment it. Those are so many unanswered questions. I would say right now, uh, the top pair looks, looks good to me in terms of, because I've seen that act before, but man, I'll tell you what, that second one to me looks like it could be a, a there could be pandemonium some nights guys that'll, they'll shake you to your core. <laughs> I mean that too. I've seen it. And so, so there are unanswered questions, but you ask me if they're better. Yes, they are better simply because of, of the personnel they brought in. They have better players. Phil Myers to me is going to be a mistake prone player his entire career. And I think that Ristolainen is an upgrade over Hague for sure. Um, and so that, that answers that. Yeah, they're better. Their defense core is better. Assuming that Hayes comes back and looks more of the Kevin Hayes of two years ago than last year, do we feel like the moves that have been made in the forward core have improved? Have they gotten worse? Has the replacement of Atkinson in for Voracek done enough? Where do you guys land on the forwards going into this season as opposed to last? Bunny, let me start with you. Yeah, you know what? And, and again, you know, I, I like the fact that they've done a good job getting some veteran guys in like Broussard. Uh, I think that uh, he he adds that level of, uh, you know, just a little bit of depth to it. Again, if you know, I know he's you don't like him at Russ where he's at the a 2C coming out of the gate. And I don't think a lot of people would. I mean, it was an afterthought pickup. So you don't necessarily want to plug that guy into your top six minutes. And, but that's what happens, you know, and it doesn't mean he's not, he's going to do a bad job. He has an opportunity to really do, do a great job. Um, I, I'm worried, you know, I'm not so much saying I worry about the top line. I need to see where that line is going to set the tone this year. And I need, you know, I know, I know Giroux is a guy that's is a, is a, is a guy who gets points, but, He's a leader. This has got to be a year that he's, if he's going to do anything and this team's going to go somewhere, it has to come from the top. You know, it really does. And, and it can't just be words. It's got to be, got to be that continual effort night after night, almost putting yourself in a position where uh, you make yourself the, uh, the pariah uh, it's, of, of getting out there and being the face of taking that licking for your team. I think they need, they need to do a better job leadership wise up front. Uh, but Couturier with a new contract that'll begin next year. You know, I think he should be excited about that. Uh, Konechny can't buy a goal right now for whatever reason. He's been snake bit now, guys, for quite a while. Uh, I, and again, a lot of the depth players they brought in, Lawton, uh, Nate Thompson coming back, I think that they're going to have better penalty killing. Uh, I think they're going to do better things. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where Lindblom is after the year. You know, he went through with um, had the cancer a couple of years ago. Um, there's just a lot of different things. And I think a lot of it is, is going to be fine. Now, maybe Anthony, I'm wrong by saying it, but I think a lot of it, AV is hoping that a lot of stuff goes well, but I think uh, again, like us, I don't think he's really going to know who this team is for six weeks and, and how it starts off. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree. One thing I just finished with this year, Russ, I agree with you. I think goal scoring could be a challenge early in the year. I, it, it, it could be. It, well, it, it well could be. And, and uh, you know, the first thing is, is Cam Atkinson going to replace, Jake Voracek's production. I don't think he will. I don't think he's going to get that kind of the, you know, that kind of point total. Right. Um, but can you replace Jake Voracek's point total with Cam Atkinson and other players? Yes. And that's where, this is where a guy like Konechny is so important. 
um, that he has to have a better season than he had last year. You know, um, uh, you know, Farabee was, was had a great year last year and they gave him the new contract. And so you're hoping that he can replicate that. Great. And if that happens, that's awesome. You kind of need JVR to kind of have the kind of start to the season he had last year. Yeah. He tapered off some, but without Hayes in the lineup, you're going to need JVR to have the kind of start to the season that he had. And, and the power play has to, you know, has to be, has to be, you know, working. Um, it, it looked okay in preseason. I thought, I thought that the power play wasn't bad. Um, they did have, they did mix and match a little bit, um, but I, I do kind of like the personnel that they have out there on the, on the power play unit. I think you're going to see more shots to the net. I think you're going to see more guys at the front of the net trying to, you know, bang it in. So I think the power play will be improved. And the penalty kill, like Bundy said, should be improved. When you look at guys like adding in the Nate Thompson and Lawton bringing him back, and you know, uh, obviously you had some guys there. You know, Limblom kills penalties really well as well. It, and with the and with the new defensive players, they should be better on the PK. Didn't show it in the preseason. PK was a little sloppy in the preseason. That's something that I, I I'm a little little still a little concerned about. A little bit of a red flag on that one. Um, but overall, I I think that the forward group is going to be fine. I don't think it's going to blow you away, but I also don't think it's going to be, you know, multi-game droughts where they are only scoring one or two goals. I think, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, is that good enough? It yeah, depends on how your goalie and defense play, right? If your goalie and defense are playing really good and you can win games three to two, then you're fine. If they're not playing well and you're going to lose games four to three, well, then it's not okay. Right. So I mean, that, that's kind of where I look at them to be. I kind of look at them as like a three goal a night kind of team, three to three and a half, um, not quite four. And then it really kind of depends on how you play behind that offense. It's going to dictate whether or not you're a successful team. All right. <clears throat> I want us to go into a rapid fire round. I want you guys to come up with your hottest take for this flyer season. I'll start. I'll buy you guys a minute. All right. Are you ready? Hot take time. Something about a player who's going to break out, a player who's going to drop off massively coach getting fired, something hot take. My hot take is that Oscar Lindblom will finish the season with more goals than Travis Konechny. It's worth noting that prior to Oscar Lindblom's cancer diagnosis, he was on track to put up the most goals of any season that he had had in the league. His previous high had been 17. He had 11 through 30 games before his cancer diagnosis. We all know the story. He came back in an incredible feat months after his initial diagnosis of this rare Ewing sarcoma diagnosis. He comes back, didn't fully look himself, obviously, pretty hard to after chemo, uh, but he, he made it back into the bubble playoffs. He played last year, still didn't look like he was totally back to physical form, but I think we've seen things in this preseason that indicate he looks much more physically like the player he was prior to his diagnosis. Travis Konechny, for as much as, as we like him, friend of the program, he hasn't looked the same since prior to the bubble playoffs. I don't know what happened. I don't know what has happened to that guy who was a confident goal scorer. The only thing that I can think that will help him is because of the way that he plays and the fact that he's a guy who likes to chirp, he's a guy who likes to get under the opposing team's skin, Maybe the fact that he has a bunch of guys around him now in these vet additions that will go to battle, that will fight, that will defend one another. Maybe that's going to create the kind of atmosphere he needs to, to be successful. But for me, hot take, Oscar Lindblom, more goals at the end of the season than Travis Konechny. Well, I guess I'll jump in. I, li I like that call too. And actually, I, uh, 
I, yeah, I, and I agree with that, Russ. Uh, I'm going to go really obvious here, guys. <laughs> if Carter Hart stinks again, this team is going to stink. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anthony, go ahead. Your turn. <laughs> I mean, honest to God, it doesn't – all this stuff, nothing matters any right. at all unless your goaltender is able to perform at a very, very high, incredible level that's going to elevate your team to the playoffs. If Carter Hart stinks again this year – this team will stink. I don't care if they're the 85 Edmonton Oilers. If they yeah. don't have a goaltender, they're not going to move up the standings, and that's the problem. And I got news for you. Man, I, I, nothing against Martin Jones. I know he's had some good years back at early L.A. and uh, in, in San Jose early. But, man, they, they can't do that to us. I mean, that would be like having Moose in there every night. You can't have it. You just can't have it and expect your team, you know, to go into the playoffs and still June. We want to say July eventually, but we just it can't happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that the heart is the heart is the linchpin to this whole thing. Um, but if we're going hot takes, I'm going to go with this hot take. Because he did not sign a contract prior to this season. Claude Giroux will actually have and a significant offensive season so that he can get a new contract for next year and beyond, whether it's with the Flyers or somewhere else. What does significant look like? He's going to put up – he's going to have an 80-plus 80, 80 point season. I don't think so. I don't think he's capable of it. I don't think he's capable of doing it anymore. I, I oh, think you know he, what? I hope he's listening, and I hope he takes – he heeds it. I just don't think that that I, – I just think that, the, you know, you got a guy like McDavid. I mean, he had 100 points in 50-some games last year. I just don't know unless they have some kind of a magical power play, how that's not going to happen, Anthony, because five on five, I just don't think he can do enough damage. And, and I hear you. I, I think that five on five, he definitely does take a step back from what he used to be. But I think that the power play will be significantly better. And, and, when, you, and when you think about it, I mean, his, you know, his last few seasons while he's been down, he hasn't been completely, you know, you know, off the, off the score sheet entirely. I mean, he's still – putting up some points, right? I mean, so the, the way I look at it is I think he just has an improved season this year over his over his past few. I mean, if you look, I mean, what do you have? 43 points in 54 games last year and 53 and 69. All I'm saying is he gets back to a point per game pace like he did in 18, 19. And, and stay healthy. Yeah, I, I yeah. get you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting him in the Hart Trophy race by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he gets, I think he can get back to around a point per game, and uh, and really kind of, you know, make it. It's going to be make an interesting off season because, um, do you resign him coming off of a point per game season at a better number, or does he take his game elsewhere? Because I think. I think that there's a possibility that this is his last year here. I, I think, per, you know what, guys, and I've heard from people that they actually do want to resign him. Like, they have okay. plans beyond this year. Just rumors. La <clears throat> last thing. Let's go through this quickly. How do you see the Metropolitan finishing? Where do the Flyers rank? Is there a top tier? Are the Flyers somewhere in the middle? I look at Pittsburgh, Philly, and the Rangers as three, four, five in some order. All depends on any acquisitions that are made. Columbus is obviously, well, I would think, is going to be at the bottom. Carolina yeah. and the Islanders, maybe Islanders one, Carolina two. Then that, forget, that forget about Washington. I, I wonder. Washington. So I worry that Washington's going to take a step back. Do we know what the severity of Ovechkin's injury is at this point? 
skated yesterday, so yeah. I mean it can't be okay. that bad. Okay. Uh, I, I'm kind of with you, but I, I, I still think that uh, watch out for the sneaky Rangers. I still think the Devils are going to stay down at the bottom with Columbus. Rangers have a lot of talent, and they have owned the Flyers last year. Yeah. Uh, that will have to change. So I have to change that. Um, Columbus will be, as he said, bad. Yeah, Carolina, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Flyers, Penguins, and Washington will all be in the mix. I mean, what I don't know where they go, but the one and two that you said, uh, possible. The Islanders may take a step back this year too, though, Russ. You know, a couple trips deep into the playoffs, they lost to the same team twice. What's their hunger level at? You know, how can they get back there again? So there's always an opportunity for another team to step up. Same with Carolina. They're not going to be as good this year as they were. So it'll be interesting from that standpoint to see if Rod Brindamore can kind of uh, get his team used to some of those changes. Uh, the Flyers, to me, though, just to finish on my end, look like the team with possibly the most upside if everything comes together. If everything comes together. You know, they made a lot of nice moves in the offseason. If they come together, this could be, uh, you know, I think they'll be up at the top three or four of the of the division. Yeah, and I, I have it that way, too. I. I honestly think that the Rangers are, are a scarier team than, than most. I really do think that the Rangers are going to be uh, towards I, – I still have Carolina at the top of the division. Uh, I had the Rangers two, Flyers three, Islanders four, ca- Caps five. I have Pittsburgh out at six, New Jersey seven, Columbus eight. So that's how I have yeah. the Metro. Uh, finishing, Russ. I know. I know. We got to wrap it up. But there's yeah, two things. Yeah. Two two things, real quick. Well, one that uh, that I can do, and one that you can prepare for. Um, we do have a new five star review, so I can let you pull yeah. that one up and get ready to go. Uh, but I do have one quick story that I have to tell. Um, you know, we we criticize uh, the Flyers organization a lot, and and we think it's des- well deserved. But there are times that this organization still does things the right way. And I I got a message uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, from someone on Facebook who took their six-year-old daughter to one of the preseason games. And because of the, the COVID rules, she had made a sign that she was, you know, at, it was her first game and she was looking for to get her first stick, something along those lines. I mean, you know, my first game and what my first stick. Well, they t- the, the, I guess the security took it from her as she was walking in because you're not, I guess you're not allowed to have signs part of the, covid policy down there okay but this is the business is what makes matters worse so they take it from her the girl's upset there's a uh, an nbc camera right there so the guard gives it back to the little girl so that she could be seen on camera holding the sign they show her on tv holding the sign and then they take the sign away from her a second time rip it up and throw it in the trash so now they're now the girl the whole the whole game she's all upset this little six-year-old girl so the dad reaches out to me and I forwarded it along to the team through the business side, through, through Sean Coit, um, their PR guy on the, on the business side. Sean talked to the powers that be. They reached out over to the hockey op side. They got a hold of Zach uh, and Zach took it from there. And what a, what a thing Zach did. Zach got them. Uh, I put Zach in touch with, uh, with the dad, sent them um, signed stick, game used, Shank, uh, Sean Couturier, Ivan Provorov and a puck from Carter Hart, all three. So the little girl gets her stick. Her favorite player is Coots. Dad's favorite player is Provorov. Got a game used Provorov, and then they, they have a, a. She has a younger sibling, and they just gave her a Carter Hart signed puck. And look, you make you make fans for life by doing something like that for little girls. That's what it's all about, right? Yep. Do that. That's what Ed Snyder's Flyers did for fifty years. Just right. do that. Right. Be good to your fans. Yes. Love your fans because they're the ones that. They're the ones that make this happen for all of us at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. I have one announcement before I know you got to go, Russ. 
Uh, got a call yesterday from Brad Marsh. I will be playing in that alumni game in November for Paul Holmgren. Oh, yes. After the I dominated the one in the summer, they felt they really had to make sure I got back uh, in, into the act game action. And uh, I said, I'd be happy to do that. So I uh, game. I'll be there. Boys, well, let's, get be our, let's get us wired up for that one. Let, I, I wire up right. Bundy for the, for the alumni game. It'll be awesome. I'm All right. Listen, really. I, I know that I know that Ant loves doing the reviews. We're going to have to save it for next week. I really have to go. But <sighs> we'll, we'll read the five star review next week. Don't forget, if you leave a five star review over on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on the show. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Snow the Goalie, Instagram at Snow the Goalie, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. You can follow each of us on Twitter at Ant San Philly, at C Terrian Six, at Joy on Broad. All of those links are in the episode description. So for Ant, for Bundy, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening. Go Flyers this Friday. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Flyers.